0: I'll be reading from Romans 12:4 uh, through 6a for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us Good morning. I definitely want to start off by simply saying thank you so much. For the opportunity that you guys have given me to serve as a uh, first as an intern for two summers, um, and then now as the interim youth minister, um, though my time was cut short, I was given an opportunity to uh, work at ACU um, as an admissions counselor, and I have decided to move on with that direction in that direction. Um, and at first, when I decided to take that, I thought this would be an easy um, execution. I'll just leave no real. Uh, heavy heart, but then as the time has gone on, it has gotten harder, absolutely, and you folks are not making it easier. Um, And this morning, I did ask the students to write on a note card uh, who it was that they would like to um, take over for class, some volunteers, who they would be interested in. And I don't know who it was, because nobody marked their name, but they put Ozzy for both Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Um, So either they're very confused, or they really do not want me to go. But either way, my heart is heavy. The first time I sat, I I stood up here in front of you guys. um, It was during communion. um, And I was shaking, just like I am now, uh, just a lot more nervous then. Um, And the first words, I think the first real sentence that came out was, I am stoked to be here. Um... And Paula Roper was the one that reminded me of that about three weeks ago. And I was surprised that she remembered that, but I, was, I said that in mention not to communion, but rather to the worship that we have, um, the voices, the way that they carry, and the way that they are. It is evident to me that the Spirit is definitely present whenever we come together on Sunday mornings. And it is one of the hardest things that I'm going to have to leave. That's the one thing I missed, I'm going to miss the most. I had asked, Randy had already picked the songs out, and I emailed him. I think I texted him, really informal, but um, I texted him saying, Randy, I really like these two songs. One ties in pretty good with the service or with the sermon. The other one, I just love it and I'd like to hear it. Um, And that was, um, Have You Seen Jesus, My Lord? And that song is still my favorite. But I do want to talk about um, the Spirit this morning. Alan has done a good job about introducing us to what it is about living together. Um, He last Sunday talked about Romans, uh, Romans 12, 1 through 3. And in that, he brought us to a pretty good um, start in terms of what Paul is calling us to now. Um, And so I'm going to continue that in what works of the Spirit is. But before I do that, I want to um, go ahead and just read the section in full. We're going to be reading out of Romans 12, 3 through 13. And it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather Think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us, one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is to serve, then serve. If it is to teach, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Then it goes on to say, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Thank you, yes. Powerful things, the way that Paul starts this this section off. And since I've just read verse 9 through 13 last there, I want to stay there for just a second longer. Paul is helping us out a great sum. Before this, Paul tells us this analogy. He gives us this analogy about the one body and the many parts. And then before that, he's telling us that we all have the gifts of the Spirit. That can be pretty heavy, but if we pay attention to the way that he wraps up this section, it's not that hard. He is giving us these attributes that are truly going to help us. Right? He starts off by saying in verse 9, let love be genuine or sincere. He's starting off with something big. Let love be real. And then he's going on to say, hate what is evil and stick close to what is good. Show honor always, be zealous always, let the spirit move within you in such a way that you are productive. And especially when it comes to serving the Lord. He's saying, pray always and hold strong in your faith during hard times and be confident in the hopes that you have in God. He is encouraging us to possess these attributes because with these attributes, we are able to truly do what he's calling us before this. Now, we might have heard of this before in 1 Corinthians 13, where we have a far more poetic version of this, right? Right? Where we have love does not envy, love doesn't boast, love is always. We have this beautifully crafted um, poetic version of this idea of how powerful love is and what that attribute really is for us. Now, I was talking with Harrison here um, on FaceTime running him through some points and I called it dry, this version, and he didn't like that. But the way I see it is that it's a bit dry, the way that Paul is addressing it here. He's just straight to the point. But it's, again, not dryness and the fact that it's just nothing's there, but that he's just getting straight to the point. He is telling us that this is the very way of a Christian. This is the very way of living as one with Christ, to possess love in that powerful way, in that convicting way that he's calling us to. The love for God and the love for others is the thing that we are called to first and foremost, which is why I want to make such a big emphasis at that from the beginning. Because before this, that can seem intimidating, but with this notion that we have what it takes, that we've been given what it takes, it's really not that, well, it might still be intimidating, but it's not that hard to actually execute. He is giving us the perfect attributes that we should carry um, in order to be successful especially when it comes to works in the spirit so i've addressed what 9 through 13 so let's go back to verse 3 paul is doing something here he is he is asking us to look at ourselves in a different way paul is directing our attentions to ourselves for just a second He is asking us to not look at ourselves more highly than we ought, with sober judgment. A way that is true to ourselves. And I believe, and it doesn't say this, but I'd like to believe that in the same breath, he's also saying, don't look at yourself too low. Because if you look at yourself too low, then you are doing something that is just going to be too damaging and unproductive to what the purpose of you as a member of the body is. So by looking at ourselves in a way that is genuine we are going to be on the right track. And that really isn't that hard because if we believe in what Alan was teaching us several months ago with the beginning of Romans, Romans 1 through 11, if we believe that, we, or if we believe within our honest assessment of, through ourselves that our faith, um, sorry, if you believe that you are dead to sin and alive to God, And if you believe that the same faith that justified Abraham justifies you, then you are on the right track. Paul, at the beginning of Romans, is telling us what faith is, what grace is. He's running us through these points. And now he's telling us, hey, let's start executing these things. Let's start actually living this and putting it into motion. John Towles wrote a commentary, and I was reading on that, and he made a great point about the way that we make an honest assessment. He's saying that our honest assessment shouldn't come from our own ambitions, but rather from the belief of the gift that that God has given to you. So when making an honest assessment, by keeping in mind the grace and the gift that God has given to us, this honest assessment will get us to the point where Jesus wants us to get. So in looking in a way that Christians should live their lives, and keeping that in mind, Let's see what the spirits can actually do. The gift of the spirit is what you, as a person, in particular a person that believes in God, possesses. It's a means of service that you go about and are blessed by as you execute them. And not only are you blessing or not only are you being blessed by it, but you are also blessing those in front of you. Alan last week called us to um, see things from a different point of view. He called us to identify with the least, the lonely, the loser. And he also called us to make a spiritual worship a matter of day-to-day, and not a Sunday-to-Sunday. Now, those three points are huge, and they're important. I'm here to reinforce those and encourage you to really try to execute those points because, again, it's not that difficult, especially when we are li- looking at things in a way of living together. If we look at ourselves as part of a family and acknowledge the beauty of that family, the track that we are on is going to be exactly where this honest assessment that we are conducting for ourselves is supposed to get us. As Christians, we're called to a higher standard. I think we can all agree to that. If if, if you're not aware of that, we have a conversation to have afterwards. But having this call as Christ followers we are meant to be somewhere above reproach. And Roman, and, and Paul in Romans is, is calling us to that. But by looking at ourselves in this higher standard and always staying there, it can be a little unproductive. Because sometimes we just fall into this shame. And the shame of I have failed in the calling of this higher standard so I don't quite deserve what everybody else does. And that just isn't quite it. I see you guys see a point up there. I'm not gonna get there until later on, so sorry about that. Um, eager, though, I appreciate it. Um, so um, he's calling us, or sorry, we, we might fall into this idea of an honor-shame code. And that's honor-shame code is a code that the Romans lived by. This simple code, this idea of you have either honor, or you have shame. You either bring honor to God or you bring shame to God. If we were to make this honest assessment for ourselves or perhaps with our family, which side are you going to fall on? Are you going to bring honor or are you going to bring shame? If we look at our past, if we look at our history, which one should you really be bringing forward? If an outsider were to look at your life, would they say, that's honor or that's shame? I think we would all be rather discouraged if we just looked at it that way. Because a lot of us really just are going to bring shame because we are Christians and we are human and we fall short of the glory of God always. So that's not the kind of assessment that we are being called to. Because if we do that, we're just going to be unproductive in the purpose that we have. We're going to be walking around with this disillusionment that we can't do anything for the kingdom of God. So rather... This honor-shame code is not the way that we should go to. I liked, I keep on, when I read about this, I kept on thinking about the widow that um, gave all of what she had. She was at the synagogue, and she, and she, she gave her, her collection, right? She gave what, what, what she thought was the way to serve. And what did Jesus say? We find this in Mark 12, 41 and 40, or through 44. Jesus told his disciples, you see that widow that just put a penny in there? To us, that seems like a little, but to her, that is it. That is all she had. And because of that, she gave more than all the other wealthy people that have just given before her. That's the point that that scripture is making. But I like to see it for us to look at it from a different perspective. I like to think that the point that we can look at is, what if this widow was given the opportunity, this platform, to make this honest assessment of the way that she could serve? Think of what that could have been the leaders at the synagogue were telling her that the best way for her to serve was by giving money so that things can look better. That wasn't it. For her, that was not it. Think of the, if, if the opportunity was presented to her, think if those leaders were um, to go to her house, and instead of praying these long, beautiful prayers, think if they had said, hey, widow, if money isn't the way that you can serve, then how can you? By looking at that picture, I really do think that the way of living together would be far more beautiful than putting somebody in a corner and saying, no, this is the only thing I see in you, the only potential, and you're going to have to do that. That is not what God is calling us to at all. Far from it. Again, that is by no means a way of living together. A way of living together is a complete opposite of that. It is through the love that we are called to and through the honest assessment that we are called to by Peter, or sorry, by Paul. Honor will prevail because we all have the gift of the Spirit and we are all called to the Spirit of serving. And I believe that Paul is also calling us in the same breath to humility. I think he is calling us to be humble, not only to ourselves but to our neighbors, to look at ourselves again with this honest assessment of who we are. We need to think honestly about who we can serve and how we can serve. We need to think about how our neighbors can serve and who they can serve. That needs to be a moment where we pick each other up and we walk together. We rejoice with one another. If we are looking at it with the love that is genuine, then we are on the right track. And when I say that, I believe that Paul is calling us to humility. I believe that because think of what Paul was. When we when we refer to Paul as, a, as a something else, what do we usually think of? We might think of Saul, the persecutor, the one that was persecuting the church. And think of what Paul is doing now. Paul's name was never officially changed. In other scriptures of the Bible, when we have different, um, car- uh, different people of the Bible and their names are changed, we have either a direct call from God or an angel in that specific text where it says your name is going from this to this. You were once this, now you're this. For, for Paul, all we have is a piece of text that says, Paul, who we also know as, or who is also known as Saul. And then we move on. So we, when we think of Paul, we associate Paul with this good thing, but when we think of Saul, who is still the same person, we think of this not-so-good thing. But think of what Paul, or Saul, was doing. He was bringing the word the way that God wanted him to. He listened to the sound of God and did what he was asked to do. He stuck close to what Jesus had to say and moved forward from that. I believe it was that honest assessment that he made. I can either let my past, my history, define the way that I live my moment forward, or I can put that away because that shame is not greater than the honor that God wants from me and the honor that I bring to God. And that is powerful if we are able to understand this opportunity that we have and the fact that we all have the grace, the gift of the Spirit. Verse 6 through 8, we have saying, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give. If it is to lead, then do it. If it is to show mercy, then do it. I changed some words there, but do it, right? That's the point. I believe that Paul is giving us this this list of, of, of ways to serve, something that gets a little specific, But in the same sense, it's so broad. How can one teach? You can define that. How can one serve? We can define that. How can one lead? We can define that. There are different ways for us to do those things. The way that I lead might be something different than the way that you lead. But the point is that you do it. Because you are a member of the body. When we think of the analogy of the one body, many parts, there might be a time where we might <coughs> get focused with the wrong bit. We might get focused <coughs> excuse me. We might get focused or caught up on the idea that we have to be a relevant part. We all ever thought about the human anatomy. There's a lot of bones and things that we have that they can go. we would be all right. So are we thinking? You know, am I an arm, something that is relevant, something that can see, we can see what it does, we can see how it does it? Am I a lung, something that's giving the, the oxygen that we need? Am I that productive thing? Or am I more like a coccyx, something at the bottom of the spine that's just kind of there, we don't really know it's there until somehow you break it and then you're like, well, that's that, I guess, right? So is it something that we pay attention to only when we absolutely have to, right? That's not the point. It's not about getting caught up in that. That's not the relevant point. The relevant point is that you belong to the body, whether it is something that is seen always or something that is just always behind the scenes. The point is that you belong to the body. You are a member of that body. You make it up. We make it up. We belong to that body. That is the key focus. That is the thing that we should always keep in mind. So whenever you get to the point of asking yourself, well, am I really that relevant? Yes, you really are. Because God has asked you to be a part of that body. God has asked you to serve to that body. Whenever there's a part of your body that might start to start aching, a little uncomfortable, you probably want to go to the doctor and get that looked at because you don't want that one minor thing to get in the way of everything else much like us here as a body. If we see one member kind of struggling, not doing all that well, kind of confused on what it is that their purpose is, it is our responsibility to head to that. It is our responsibility to help our brothers and sisters in Christ to do good for the kingdom of God as one body. That is the whole idea of living together, of uplifting one another and moving together. You belong, that's the point. You belong to the body. Now, I'm not saying here that only those that have been wronged belong to the body. I'm not saying that only those that are um, powerful belong to the body. I'm not saying only those that have been persecuted have belong to the body. I'm not saying that only the intellectual belong to the part of the body. I'm saying that we all, regardless of the way that you live your life, in terms of can I give enough, no, I don't have that much, well, am I bitter? Yeah, but nah. Right, that's not the point. The point is that you can make that honest assessment and serve the body. Work with the members of that body. When I was trying to find a piece of scripture that would fit this, um, Zacchaeus kept on coming to mind. Um, when was the last time you ever heard about Zacchaeus? Um, probably if you ever helped at a, cl- a children's class, right? So the wee little man, right? With great sin. If that jingle is still isn't out of your head, I'll give you guys a couple more seconds to get the song out and I'll move on. Zacchaeus was a man that was well hated throughout his community. He had this position of power, he had this position of, of, of a, uh, he was employed to, to work with money, to handle money. And people didn't like him because of that, because they, he, he did wrong. There was a lot of things he did wrong. But then Zacchaeus heard about this man Jesus coming through. And so Zacchaeus says, well, I want to see this man. And he was a short guy, so he climbed this tree. He got up high where he could see Jesus. He can at least see him. He thought, I probably don't deserve to talk with Jesus. I probably don't deserve to get close to Jesus. I'm, just, I just, I'm not even going to make that effort, because I probably don't deserve it. I'm just going to see him from a ways. I'm going to lay eyes on him, and goodness, that would be good. Jesus said, no, Zacchaeus. I'm going to make a direct conversation with you. You're going to come down from there, and I'm going to go to your house. I'm inviting myself over, and we're going to have a chat. Jesus said, I don't care what your past is. I don't care who you've wronged. I don't care what you've done. But what I do care about is that you belong to this body. I want you to work with me and Zacchaeus says, you know what? Anybody that I've wronged, I'm going to correct. Anybody that is poor, I am going to give. Zacchaeus found the way to serve, and he started doing it. A person that had shame, a person that was doing wrong, decided to put that aside and have the honor. Think about the way, the gratitude or the, the gratitude of that honest assessment, the way that that worked. That honest assessment that Zacchaeus made at that moment led him to changing for the sake of God, for the sake of Christ, to serve this Messiah that he had only before just heard of and had started to see. He started to do it, and that is the beautiful thing that I want to get across as well. We can also look at the Samaritan woman in John 4, 7 through 42. The Samaritan woman was a woman who brought great shame. She was a social outcast. We later read in the context that she brought shame because she had many husbands. She didn't really talk to the community. She tried to avoid the community. And we know that because whenever she was walking to get to that well, she was doing it in the middle of the day where it was the hottest, where most people were not going to be getting water at that time. And because of that, because she was being, because she knew no, she wouldn't have to interact with anybody, she'd get there. And that is exactly when Jesus said, in your great shame, I'm going to find you and talk to you. Again, that was me, my words. I'm going to be doing a lot of that more. Um, But that's the point, is that Jesus went and started to talk with the Samaritan woman, regardless of her history. He started to talk about this water that will quench all thirst forever, as one can think. And she said, I want this so I can stop making this shameful commute out of my community. She said, let me have it. And Jesus finally decided to bring the point home. And he said, let's talk about your past. Let's bring that up. Let's get to that. And that's when she goes, oh, you know about all of that, yet you still here are choosing to talk to me. Think of how beautiful of a moment that was and how intimidating that must have been. So then she starts to head back to her community and I believe that as she's making this commute back, she's thinking to herself, well, am I going to continue to be a social outcast? Am I gonna continue to avoid those around me because I bring shame, Or am I going to talk to these people around me and talk to them about this Messiah that I've just seen? She chose the latter, and I am grateful that she did. Think of all the people that listened and heard because of her. In the text, we read that it says, not only do we believe because we listened to her, but because we see you now, Messiah. And that is huge this outcast, this person that brought great shame still found a way to be a part of the body. And that is beautiful. It is... Sorry. Um, the proclamation through the actions to further the kingdom of heaven is the point. That we are to make a proclamation as a body, as a family. We are to make these points As I close in verse 6, we read, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given in us. Gifts that are different. Paul is telling us you are going to have different gifts. So don't look at your neighbor and think, I want to do the same thing you're doing. Because the opportunity, the possibility of you being able to do something else is definitely there. In verse 5b, it says, and individually members one of another. Through the gifts that we individually have and the being a member of one of another, we have this divide coming into one. These differences being intertwined into one. And in verse 9, it says, let love be genuine. Again, because of that love that we are letting and trusting to be genuine, that love of God and the love for one another. one One another. That love, that very same love, is what is going to help us. So now we can get to that first point there. The idea is to make an honest assessment. To make an honest assessment for yourself, that is a great starting point. And then the next point is to believe that you are a part. Believe that you truly are a member of the body of Christ. That the same faith that was of the people before us is the same faith that is now. And it is to be strong and it will serve as a beautiful thing. The next thing is to do it in love. Over and over we get this point of do things in love, to have the love, to possess the love for one another and for ourselves and for God. So with that bottom point, We have these two other things that are easily, that we easily can execute. We might struggle from time to time, but the beautiful thing there is that we have a family, that we are together and we can live together. We don't have to live in a divide. So, those are the points. Make an honest and humble assessment to do it believing that you belong and to do it in love. If You aren't sure of the way that you can execute this. Look for the people around you. Look at the people around you, those who are already leading. And if what they're doing is something that you might want to do, reach out to them and say, hey, how can I do this? Or something else that you can do is you can pray earnestly with God. Have that strong conversation with him and say, God, I want to serve your kingdom. Or I have already made the commitment to serve for your kingdom, so please, God, show me how I can do it because to not we are wasting a beautiful thing it is an important thing to reach out to those about you because we are one family we are the one body in Christ our god is the head and that is the important thing if you are at home and you uh, are listening you can always text the number 9792173300 was a weird way of saying that number, but maybe that'll stick in your head. You can call that number, or sorry, you can text that number. Text that number and somebody will reach out to you. Somebody will get those questions answered and somebody will love to plug you in. Consider my personal situation now with the youth group. I am, sta- I am heading out. This might could be an opportunity for you to come in. That was a beautiful plug. Wow. <laughs> if you would like to help that, just find me after service. But my point is that you belong and you are a part of the body. So if you want to know how you can serve, if you believe that it is time for you to serve the kingdom of God through baptism, please come forward as we stand and as we sing. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord.